Hello and welcome to the Position 6 Podcast. My name is Dan Offen, aka Mr. Big Jams, and in this show I get to know some of the most important and exciting people in the Dota 2 scene. This week's episode is with Trent. Trent is a long-time Dota 2 analyst and panellist, and it was a pleasure to get to talk to him again. He's one of the people that I've personally worked with the most, uh, and I always really enjoy working with him, so I was keen to get him on the podcast to see how his last few years have gone. If you'd like to talk to me about this podcast or follow me on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Offen, and that's spelled Daniel than O-F-E-N. And if you'd like to financially support me for creating this podcast, you can find a link to my Patreon in the episode description. And the episode will kick off right now. Okay, so to kick off, why don't you talk me a little bit through where you are in your career at the moment? Sure. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Where am I in my career right now? I cast a lot of Dota. Uh, I guess not as much as I used to before, just because mm-hmm. uh, the whole the way the DPC works is it's a little bit uh, it's more chill. There's uh, less games per week. It's less hectic. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm just kind of along a for the ride of commentary as as it lives. If that makes sense. That, do you I like don't really that? do much outside of it. I think so. Uh, and paneling, of course, but I do less paneling right now because uh, most of the online stuff with how DBC setup is casting instead of paneling, which to be honest is good because I was doing a lot of paneling like right before COVID. I felt like I was kind of doing more paneling than casting and casting is definitely where uh, more of the fun is. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, kind of a tricky time at the moment? Because this year it feels like you've worked less than you worked last year, certainly in terms of mm-hmm. lands. You've not done a land yet this year. Do you feel you're in a, in a bit of a trickier period or are you quite happy of where you are? Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm quite lucky, honestly. Um, the unfortunate things this year, of course, with, uh, with the war in Ukraine, I was supposed to basically I'd been set up all year to just do Eastern Europe fully remote. That was like the whole plan. And when I, you know, I got that all set with BTS, I was like, that's kind of perfect because like I had a third child on the way. And so just balancing a single region, having lots of games for it. Uh, and, you know, obviously being having, you know, being near the, the top of casting now, I, I had a, a good, good enough rate. That's totally fine by me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very comfortable. And uh, and then, you know, the, the war sort of sidelined that, unfortunately. And I picked up a few games and other spots here and there. And I did um, South America as well for the first tour. Uh, so that definitely was a, a nice help to have two regions to start and then just wean myself onto a, a single. But uh, yeah, in terms of like travel, travel was completely out of the picture for me. Like I could not go to Stockholm. That, that was not an option. And then, of course, we didn't even have a first major. So... Uh, Arlington's actually the first major I'm even willing to go to. So <laughs> that's fair enough. Do you find you found that a bit of a change of pace? Because there was a period when you were one of the people who was working incredibly hard. You were at kind of so many events, and you were a face that popped up again and again. It must it must feel very different your life now to how it felt a, a year or two ago. Yeah, I was sort of like I was I was in the, a little bit of the in between. I wasn't quite like the Shiver Cap. Owen level, but I was getting there. I was I was about to hit that essentially when we did Singapore um, in for the One Esports Singapore. I guess that would have been 2018. Obviously, uh, that was sort of like my career was kind of peaking. It was going really well, and uh, you know at that point Ti was like was we were just hitting into like Christmas area, and I was like, man, I've done a lot of lands this year. This is looking really good. You know, another Ti invite, uh, enjoy time, and then uh, and then COVID happened. But frankly, like. It's, uh, I could not have sustained that. I can't do that same level of travel that they do with kids. It's just, 
just no bueno. So COVID was uh, was a, a big change of pace for my whole life, honestly, because having my my second son, we had him in that um, geez, that January he was born. So he he kind of was a COVID baby, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, I could not. There's no way I could have traveled as much. You still did though. I I TI uh, TI ten, which I think you did the winner bracket finals with Lyrical, who I spoke to just after that. Which was obviously that must have been. If you speak about Singapore being a highlight, that must have felt like a peak as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we did um, we did the winner brackets, and then we shared the grand finals with Owen, which was uh, an interesting idea. That that was as far as I know, that was probably his idea. Uh, just being a best of five and stuff, and to have that. Um, Oh yes, of course. Like yeah. trading off the games and stuff was pretty cool. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, yeah. No, that was a massive peak and extremely good. And obviously, that put put me in very good standing heading into uh, the future of casting and stuff. And just feeling like uh, I've kind of found we we've sort of found our niche as to what what we what we really like to do and what we think we're good at. What would you say that niche is? Make games good. <laughs> it's a, it's a large niche that uh, <laughs> quality. Yeah, I don't know. It's like um, Dota is. Uh, I think it's it's a little bit scary for everyone. I don't think anyone's ever comfortable, and that is something that I think drives everyone. And uh, honestly, it, it does attract me to it as a as a career. I can remember actually, I was having a conversation once with my mother in law about uh just like my job in general and stuff and at, at one point i realized during this conversation about how like my job is is basically the same as grinding mmr it feels exactly the same it's like it is a competition like i'm constantly competing versus everyone friends like doesn't like we're all really good friends but in the end we are all basically competing for jobs right and it's very interesting in that sense mm -hmm. so it's like a a constant drive to sharpen my skills and to look at what i'm doing and to think about what i want to do and then not only amongst my, my colleagues, of course, I already work with, there's also people who are going to be coming to the scene as well. And it's not like we're barbaric. Like, I'm always trying to help new casters. I, I would never, like, shut someone out. I, I've often offered jobs to people being like, listen, someone sent me this. I've recommended that they actually ask you about that. How would that feel for you? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm still competing versus that person. So it's, it's very interesting. And uh, I think that's part of the job that I didn't even realize that I actually liked the most. Mm -hmm. Do you find that tricky as well? Because I, I know personally, obviously, I've interviewed a lot of talent on this podcast and as someone breaking, mm -hmm. trying to break into the scene, I often feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't interview these people and, and boost them. Do you often, uh, but I, I still do. <laughs> I, I, I like to, and I like to be a nice guy. Yeah. Um, do you often feel like that in that kind of tricky in-between stage of, of not quite knowing uh, how to act with people and, and how to uh, further your career while being a nice guy and a nice friend to everyone? No, I think that like, if there was any way that, like, uh, how do I describe it? Basically, there's I can't think of anything that I would do that would like hurt me that wasn't just being me. Like, I, like I think if I'm just being me and like doing my best job and helping other people, it's gonna be fine. I'm not worried about like screwing over my own future opportunities by trying to help others and lift up the whole crew because I I don't feel threatened like that. It's kind of mm -hmm. like it's like. When I first started commentating, I can remember that people would constantly say to me, like, you know, like, I hope you're going to, like, transition to something else. I hope you're going to do this soon because the pro players are coming, man. Like, the pro players are coming. They're going to they're gonna take your job. You're useless once pro players are here. People said that to me in, like, 
Well, my, like my first land, people are saying that shit. They're like, well, so what are you going to do? Like, you're going to host, you're going to like interview. I'm like, no, I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I was, that's going to be my next question. So you've teed me up there quite well. It's, I think when I interviewed you in 2019, I was probably one of the people asking that and saying that, uh, now it does feel like that time has kind of arrived. Uh, we've got in, in Eastern and Western Europe, for example, Kezu was recently doing casting SVGs doing casting there as well. Mm-hmm. Insania was at TI. So there's lots and lots of big pro players who are now stepping into more casting roles. Have you noticed a, a shift in how you have to work now because of that kind of beginning of a, more of a change? No, if anything, uh, I actually think it, it's totally fine for me. I just kind of pivot. Uh, I just I go with the flow in terms of what I'm needed to do on a broadcast. I think that's always been my my biggest strength is just this idea of just you know, if I don't have to be the guy who's to bring up a lot of the, the bigger brain smart stuff, then I can be more of the conversation focused slash, uh, you know, keeping the energy at the right levels throughout everything and focus less about like, oh, who won that tournament in, the, you know, 2017 with Crimson Guard uh, Invoker or whatever, you know, I, I don't want to have to like deal with those sort of minutia details anyway. So, and even when I first started casting, there were several pros that were casting, you know, like <laughs> it hasn't yeah. actually changed. Mm-hmm. But it is certainly more now. Would you agree with that? That there's there's certainly more competition in terms of, of your particular role. Um, I don't know because I I don't think we do the same role. Like I I don't think like I've never been a pro player. I've never tried to be a pro player, and so I I don't think we do the same thing. I think you just get two different products between the two of us, and I I don't necessarily think that one's gonna be better or worse. One's just gonna be more preferred by other people than something else. Now. Uh, what I do think is that there is definitely room for tricast stuff with pros. I think that's a that's an easy layup. I think that the biggest problem that a lot of the pro players tend to have is that they can't quite get that like that full back and forth banter that you want with like a you know caster and co-caster. But slide them in there on the nice and easy, no pressure third third wheel kind of deal. I think a lot of them would like to shine in that role. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you as well about how you feel you've evolved as a caster over the past uh, two years, three years since I last interviewed you. Uh, what what changes do you think you've made? Because from the outside, it feels uh, there's a lot of consistency there. You feel very much like mm. the same person. Do you think you've made big big changes in how you approach it, or or do you feel very similar? Uh a lot of the things I still do the same. I still do a lot of research. I'm I'm constantly like trying to watch replays, trying to keep up with as many scenes as I can, and. Uh, trying to i guess one thing that i'm starting to do more is i've taken more of an interest in terms of like the personal history and stuff of players like trying to garner more from interviews part of that is also just because it wasn't really as feasible as it was even three years ago there's just so much more material out there now that it's awesome and uh, i'm just so happy that we get to hear a lot of their stories and uh get even just those little videos that we'll get where like they're talking about the matchup of this week you can just get so much of the player with how they think about the game and how they want to talk about like oh why they're you know looking forward to their match versus uh versus secret next week or whatever right so uh i i think adding that more into my cast has been good just trying to elevate the players more because in the end you know uh that is the product that we're trying to make exciting the the vast majority of viewers i for the love of god i hope are not there to see me they're actually there to to watch the dota mm-hmm. yes there might be one tournament where it's it's you're the headliner uh- <laughs> 
in, mm-hmm. in a small one, but you never know. I, I wanted to ask you as well about your strengths. Uh, and this kind of, I guess, comes from a position of my experience. Uh, I've, in the time that I've been working on, on tournaments, uh, you're one of the people that I've worked with quite a lot. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I've, I've not worked a huge number of events. Um, but in the time that I've worked with you, you've always come across and have, have been one of the easiest people to work with. You're, you're very, very affable. Uh, you kind of flow very nicely. Is that something that you see as part of your skill strength that you're kind of easily to slot into something or would that be, uh, is that a surprising compliment to receive? No. Yeah. That's, I hear that a lot. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's, it's something that, Oh God, I don't even remember how far I was into the the business. It was like, I remember hearing this quote of like, there's only there's three things when you work as a, an esports talent, and it's uh, you have to be good, you have to be nice, you have to be reliable. But you actually only need to be two of those three things. So as long as someone has two of those three things, they'll be fine. You know, you be reliable and nice. Honest to God, you'll probably do pretty well as long as you're not a total moron. You you know, you're good, you're pretty nice, but you're not reliable. They they miss half their broadcasts. Well, you know, we still we still keep them coming. That has proved to be fairly true. I'd like to think that I'm at least all three. Uh, but and that also just goes back to part of my my role in general of being, I think, flexible for like, you know, I've, I've done some play-by-play this year when needed. Mm-hmm. I've handled, I've co-cast, so uh, all I'm trying to do is just make sure the, the broadcast is, is nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. What do you feel you fit best in in terms of, because obviously you and Lyrical work very well together when you're working outside mm-hmm. of Lyrical. Uh, where, where do you feel you slot best? What, what kind of roles do you slot into quite nicely or, or kind of vibes do you slot into? Yeah, I like yeah, I definitely like co-casting um the most. I think it's just you can really pour yourself into it kind of uh it's it's a lot like playing a game of Dota, I think, that more most viewers would resonate with where like you know, if you got you got an hour, you set it aside, you're like I am not going to worry about anything else in my life except except play this game of Dota. And th- those are generally like the best way you you want to play Dota. And and you can get a lot of the that same feeling when you're uh, casting because you're just you're just in the zone. You're just focusing on this. Nothing else matters. When you're handling, it's like there's an in ear there that's like you know there's a lot of variables. Like oh we're actually uh, we need a content piece now and oh we're gonna go to break and uh, oh the teams aren't ready and that's fine. I do enjoy doing that uh, because you know it's also fun in its own way. But I think uh, co-casting, as it were, is is definitely where I, I like to shine. Mm-hmm. And I like casting with a lot of various different people too. Um, you know, if I can only pick one person, there's no doubt it would be lyrical, like 100. percent But uh, I also, you know, I think he, much like he, I'm sure gets enjoy the opportunity to cast like No Tail and Fly and stuff, which was really cool. Uh, I also I, I like getting an opportunity to cast with uh, other people as well. And like you'll see, Own and Fog do a lot of the same stuff too. Where like some there'll be like a major event, and Own will be casting with like someone random for like the first day and they'll be like, where's Owen and Fog? But like, this is something that Owen and Fog want to do. They want to mm. sort of just like, you know, give the people something else and then come back for their thing after. It just, uh, it feels good for everyone. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the uh, experience of working on Eastern Europe for such a long time. You've almost kind of specialized in the region. You've done uh, the tours that have existed over this this uh, year. You did uh, the qualifiers uh, with me last year uh, and then quite a lot of Eastern Europe last year as well. Um, do you how, how have you found specializing so much in one region? Do you find ever that limiting, or do you enjoy that that uh, kind of singularity? I love it. I actually I think it's one of the best parts of the DPC system. It uh, in my first DPC, I I did every single game for South America, like lower and upper for the entire year. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> now I can just like South America's. I probably know more about South America than 
honestly almost any caster even though people probably wouldn't realize that about me because a lot of people frankly don't watch south american dota and didn't see those broadcasts because viewer numbers are so much lower than the other <laughs> regions but i mean i i know everyone like i could just i know all of these players now across division one division two and i i also thankfully can recognize a lot of their strengths and i see some of these players and i'm just like man if these teams could just like get to a lan or have good internet like that that region's close so I was happy to get to do that now with Eastern Europe because I'm I'm sort of on that same path now where I'm learning so much about the region. Mm -hmm. Do you ever look misty-eyed at the other regions, kind of wanting to do NA again or or even head to a Western Europe or China? Or, or you've done a little bit of Southeast Asia, but not, not a huge amount. Yeah, just I, I hopped in there a little bit. Uh, somewhat. Um, I'm mostly, I just really, really like just doing singular regions, so I wouldn't even care what region it was. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd rather just be focused on the one and uh, get to enjoy the other broadcasts when I get a chance. Of course, you know, outside of uh, <laughs> working Dota, sometimes it's hard to find time to actually watch it. Uh, it's so much faster to just boot up the replay and watch it myself that it could be a little bit more difficult to see a lot of my friends casting. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to go back to TI-10 as well. We spoke a little bit about doing the finals, but um, mm. it's the first time I've had you on this podcast since then. How was that an event to work? Because it must have been difficult in part because of the COVID restrictions and the, and the part of the community response, but it was an amazing event. Did you enjoy it or was it challenging as well? Uh, it was obviously extremely stressful as someone who really did not want to get stuck in Romania. <laughs> uh, that, that was a very terrifying thought with kids at home. So I was, uh, I was a little nervous about that for sure. And it, I'm sure it, it definitely impacted some of the, the work. I, I wouldn't say I was able to put out necessarily my best all the time there. Uh, as much as you try to isolate that stuff out when you are uh, working, it's, it's pretty rough in those situations, especially because it was just such a different event, not having uh, the crowd and like that same energy is not really there. We did the best we could. I think Valve did an excellent job in a lot of ways of trying to make it feel that way. Even the cheesy crowd sound that <laughs> the first day they played it, man, was so, so loud and cheesy, but it got so much better over time so mm -hmm. uh big shout out to uh the guy who was working the, the crowd sound but uh yeah and nonetheless still an amazing event obviously a, a pretty crazy finish and it, it was kind of cool i i've never really thought about it i guess until now but it was somewhat intimate to have like the grand finals is happening it's just the english talent the the and a lot of the um like the russian talent just kind of up Watching Dota, we were just all sitting in like one bleacher section of an entire stadium, and we were like the only people watching, which was pretty wild. Uh, mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, so that that was kind of cool. That'll probably, hopefully, never happen again. Fingers <laughs> crossed. It must have been like a big. I don't know what the word I'm searching for here, but I'm going to go with survivorship kind of bond between everyone who experienced oh. that event. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, where everyone was just. Uh, and that includes like the Valve staff. I think just like even just like everyone, everyone top to bottom. I think everyone kind of had this goal of just get this done, make our Dota, get as many people home as we can. You know, leave leave no man behind. We left two. I mean, that's not bad, right? That's, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty good odds. Pretty good percentage. You're gonna get home. Well, and all the the Chinese players as well, unfortunately, for, for oh, a large true. I wasn't thinking of the players. True, 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 true. Man, that was. Whew. Would you do an event like that again, or would it be a consideration that you wouldn't do? Because COVID's not over. Uh, let's kind of be honest. Wait, wait, what? Wait, hold on. Are you sure? 
I, I'm, I'm not everyone's allowed public comment. acting like it's over, so I just kind of <laughs> figured it was over. It's what we're doing in the UK. It's head in the sand here. <laughs> yeah, but it isn't. There, yeah. there might be the chance of an event uh, having a big issue or even TI or even a big major. Would you happily step into that breach again? Or is there a, a degree to which you maybe wouldn't want to do that? Uh, I mean, being knowing more about COVID now, even at this point than we did then, I, I would probably be okay. I mean, I did wind up getting COVID. Uh, when did I get COVID? May, I think. I My wife was actually still working as a teacher. Uh, because, you know, they didn't do online learning at that point and decided that they surely had to go to school for those three weeks. Uh, so, so our family did get it and, uh, thankfully no, no major issues and stuff. And, uh, we're all, you know, double vax and boosted and stuff. So it, it wasn't a huge deal. So with that knowledge that I'm not really someone who will hopefully be too impacted by it, I would probably do the event again. It's a little bit less worrisome in that regard. Uh, but yeah, getting stuck somewhere would still not be good. It was bad with two kids and a pregnant wife. It'd probably be worse with just three kids at home. <laughs> mm. Are you? Uh, exp- I, I, I wanted to ask as well about the the, the shift in um, in talent. Uh, this happened over the past couple of years, and how the scene feels different to how it did three years ago. Do, do, does it feel like quite a different place to work now than it, it did a little while ago, or do you feel you're you're very much working in the same stable and, and have expected to do the same things? Uh what's different? I guess. Um, I mean, the the not constant traveling stuff is mm-hmm. is a bit different. Um, but overall, it feels a lot of the same. I'm. I mean, I was kind of. It, again, it was somewhat fortunate for me because I was sort of shifting this way anyway. And uh, frankly, I got dumb lucky because because there were so many broadcasts that were forced to be online, it drastically increased the rates and the payment that one could receive from doing mm-hmm. online work. So uh, big two thumbs up from Papa Trent working from home. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. So uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's been good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that at least. How have you found it dealing with the community over the past couple of years? Because it's been quite interesting in terms of, I, I think there's been two positives. of There's been a positive of COVID, which is that people like yourself who've worked a single region get to feel a greater bond with the community who watches that region, which I think is, is amazing mm-hmm. and really, really positive. But I think there's also been a, a certain degree to which uh, the, the community has been, a, been a, a difficult beast over the past couple of years in a number of ways. And how have you found that relationship that you're, I guess, almost dependent on and not having to, to live with? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's like, it stinks because like the best community that you meet is at events. There's no doubt about that. And I'm glad that I learned that before like COVID. Cause I'm sure there's some people who just like, you know, maybe who've been working a lot the past couple of years who didn't get to do that big slew of lands and don't really have that experience and that energy that you get. And just like, all the positive affirmations you get from every single crowd member that's actually at an event. Like you, you see these people in person who care so much about Dota that they're, they're coming out to watch it. They're cheering and they're just, they're just so happy. Um, I try and take those faces and put them on the people who are talking about Dota. Even when I think they're re- saying really dumb shit, I, I do try and at least think, you know what? They could be one of those people that's really happy about Dota. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, I'm obviously, I, I'm still constantly, I'm always on the subreddit. I mean, I'm sure most people are because it's our main hub for Dota. So that's, I guess, the most community I see. I do not almost ever open Twitch chat. I find it pretty worthless after about 3,000 people. 
Uh, <laughs> I open it all the time on individual streams and streamers and stuff, you know. That there I've got it open, but like during an actual esports broadcast, is there anything there other than just like people complaining about bets? I, I don't even <laughs> open it anymore. I feel well, like I find, yeah. it might be slightly better now. I feel like it was mostly just NFTs, bets, and crypto whenever I'd, I'd open the chat. So in terms of that being part of the community, that that aspect I don't really see too much. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, in terms of the subreddit, I think overall it's it's been fairly the same. I don't know. Has it changed much? It's, I, I think just it's been more people visible in, person. in a way because of the lack of, uh, as you say, the lack of community events, which kind of was the representative of the community when you had crowds. Now suddenly yeah. it's just been online and that's, that's in a way quite challenging because the only representative is weird people talking online, which can be a hard read to do. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I get, I don't really get a lot of noise on my online stuff it's just like i don't know most, most of my interactions these days are pretty positive online like whenever i i mean i think that i've i mean i occasionally stream and i think i've just cultivated a stream where it's just like if i just see someone who annoys me or i i just you know i think they're doing something that's wrong like i, I think they're just being a, a jerk to people or they're just trying to say edgy stuff I, i'll just ban them mm -hmm. i have a you know no nonsense policy that's fine and i think most people understand that and so like generally my you know, I get excited to stream. I just I stream my little Dota replays like that. My work really is just watching the replays. I get the mm -hmm. streaming. There's no income. I that money pays for my Steam games. I guess that's that's <laughs> mostly what the streaming cash will do. But um, so in general, I guess I've developed more of a relationship with like a smaller community over this time actually uh, because of that. So that, that's pretty cool. To hear. Uh, the reason I ask and I, I bring it up with you is because I think just after I last interviewed you, you had uh, what I, I guess I can describe as a bit of a kerfuffle with Bulldog and his Oh, fan. yeah. Um, that was after that, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is something that I was really admired you for because you kind of you took a stand uh, and, and said a lot of stuff that made a lot of sense. Uh, looking back at that, was, is that a fight you would have taken again? Or do you think it, it was uh, difficult for you? No speaking some law stuff that made sense yeah i don't know i didn't think it was a really controversial thing to say that if when you tweet that stuff your replies are immediately just full of tryhard face that mm -hmm. you might have a problem with your community apparently that was controversial <laughs> uh yeah no i i don't care i'm glad i did it uh it probably gave me pretty bad anxiety for like a year i was definitely worried that i'd lost my job uh which would have been pretty shitty but a lot of the community obviously uh didn't uh didn't particularly take that well or agree with it i received a lot of that was definitely the lowest point of any sort of interactions online uh that that was pretty bad uh but i also got tons of positive interactions so it, it's really hard because obviously the negative ones stick with you way more there's no doubt about that so yeah i'd probably do it again so come at me people <laughs> i suppose I'm, i care even less now i have three kids you know uh -huh. my my strength is, is <laughs> but i sorry my patience is wearing thin for anyone but my children uh, i was thinking i was thinking you implying that you've got a little army now that you're building up who can fight back oh that's a good idea too that's not bad but it is tricky because i know uh, a lot of people feel that anxiety that you mentioned there about having to to ruin their careers if they they speak up or talk out it, it, is that is that something that kind of not not plagues you but is it on the back of your mind constantly kind of about losing your it, job, your career? it was then but i feel like that happening and then working ti finals next time i was like oh okay so i'm i'm good <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, that that was a big relief getting that ti invite uh does and 
fuck me, man. It took so long because <laughs> that happened. And then, of course, we didn't have TI. Yeah. And so <laughs> I didn't really know where I stood in terms of career and stuff. And, you know, it didn't help. We were getting messages like, you'll never work an event again. Uh, so that was uh, that was pretty comical. In, in hindsight, it, uh, it definitely made me more uh, relaxed and less worried about that <laughs> stuff. So that was cool. Do you think you've seen an impact as a result of the conversation that you I made? Mean, it sounds grandiose, I, the conversation you actually, started. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I constantly see people just, I see more people speak up on the subreddit about weird stuff. I see more of that weird stuff get downvoted. Um, I feel like that segment of the community has sort of isolated itself and I, I don't really see that mentioned as much in general threads. So I think, and it wasn't just me, obviously, because I think there's also been a lot, you know, we had a lot of conversations shortly after that. Uh, because of the the Me Too movement happening uh, mm -hmm. across various uh, stuff too, so that sort of brought another aspect. And then uh, more of those conversations have happened across more and more platforms. And and then even like Moxie working at TI, um, and then with Frankie and Sumi, there was a lot of conversations there about just how they're obviously just treated so much worse for making the same mistakes that anyone else would. And uh, so I think in general, the uh, the community is is slowly improving. Um, not much to say in terms of like how much you know that that's going to impact the average person unfortunately because i think we all know that being a woman and playing dota or really any video game still kind of sucks um god it does seem worse than dota though doesn't it that's just yeah. me i feel like valorant's crazy i'll like see some of my friends playing valorant like some streaming or whatever and there's you know there can be women and they can just like talk in the game and like nothing happens and then like another woman on their team speaks and they're not even in a party together. It's not a wild concept. And still, they're just gamers. They're just playing, and no one gives a shit. Um, so I, I aspire to the day when no one gives a shit. Uh, but for now, that uh, is certainly not the case that I, I see in Dota still. Mm -hmm. Do you still get shit for it? Do people still no, talk to you, or is it I, now subsided? It's completely. I haven't heard anything about that in ages. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering, because I obviously, I do still read Twitch chat and the most of the events I've worked, I've, uh, many of them I've worked with you. Uh, and it's very rare that you see anything. In it. And I think a lot of the stuff you see about you now is, is really, really positive, uh, especially about you and uh, Lyrical as, as a duo, which is something I wanted to go uh, more into detail on, on a slightly uh, long-winded yeah, segue. Pogs. I've seen some pogs sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, Trent Lyrical right. Pog. I'm like, oh shit, Pog. <laughs> Why do you think you and Trent and Lyrical work as a as a duo? What what works for it for people? Do you think? I think that uh, I mean we just work hard at it, uh, and we're just I mean we're just we know we're good friends, obviously, but uh, more than that, it's not it's not just being like friends and playing games together. That is part of it, but uh, we we actively work on our our broadcasting, and I think that. Him and I actually approach it very similarly, even though we don't we don't actually talk about this that much. In fact, what often happens is he'll like literally hold. Oh, let me scroll up and read a message from Lyrical because <laughs> he sent me this like a week ago and he never followed up on it. He sent me uh, May twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. Was listening to the Warriors game tonight. Gave me some ideas for the cast. Almost done with this COVID stuff. Hopefully we could chat because you know he had COVID then. Uh, and I said, okay. And he, he never mentioned it, but like he's out there, he's listening to his basketball game. He's watching that and he's thinking about our work and what he wants to do in terms of like how he's going to like weave in some of that stuff. And that's something that I also do constantly. So even if he did forget to ever bring that back up with me, I'm sure that he took those lessons and applied it 
and um i don't watch that much traditional sport anymore i obviously also watch hockey when i can especially the playoffs so when you're at least fan watching the playoffs you also don't watch that much hockey unfortunately uh but i do watch a a lot of esports and that is something that i know you asked earlier like what's changed over the years um i i think when i came into casting you at some point when you're beginning you do have to emulate someone in a sense mm -hmm. because like it can give you the confidence of like, okay, I see what this person is doing and they do it well. I'm going to do things like them. And that sort of happens until you have your own confidence and you shift more into like who you, who you really are. And like, you're able to take some sort of a foundation of casting and build it into like where you want to be and what you want to talk about and how you want to be uh, presenting things in Dota. And as I've evolved doing that myself, I've now, I've sort of gone on another pilgrimage over these two years of going out, reaching out, watching a lot of other broadcasts and just like content creators in general across video games and thought like, what are they doing that like, maybe I do it already, but like, how do they do it? Do they do it better than me? And how can I improve? Like, I don't want to change who I am necessarily, but there's still going to be players so I can like sharpen up and make better. Mm -hmm. And so I, I constantly try and think about that while I'm enjoying other esports because like, honestly, I sports are just so dead to me at this point my god i find like there's so many good esports to watch um for me particularly i i watch a lot of melee um and just smash in general i watch ultimate too ultimate's cool and uh what else do i watch I, i've gotten into a lot of um 2d fighting games actually a lot too over covid which has been pretty okay. interesting that's nice. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that gets said about you as a duo quite a lot, uh, and, and I said it, I think last time I worked with you, I called you amicable, and I think everyone misheard yeah. called you wet uh, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the fuck you said. <laughs> but you are very amicable or amiable. Um, as, as a duo, is that something that's intentional? Do you often kind of think we've got to seem nice and wholesome, or does that, I mean, obviously it comes somewhat naturally, but there must be a degree to which that's kind uh. of brought along. I think it's mostly just how we are. Um, sometimes we go hard and then it's even funnier. So that's kind of a, a bonus. You know, that makes it excellent. Cause then once you start like really roasting somebody, it's even more comical, but uh, no, that's, that's just us. Uh, I don't think we've really tried to make that any sort of like a, a brand necessarily. It's just, it's just kind of what happens mm -hmm. when we talk. I think we also both agree that one of the worst things you can do is like make dumb assumptions. Like if you want to make an assumption about how someone's playing or what they did, you can make a positive one if you want. But making like really negative and dumb assumptions and like putting down the players is just so lame. And I, I think that is also something that has really stopped happening a lot in broadcasts. To be fair, the players did over complain about it sometimes, most of the time, especially when I, you know, back in like 2016, 2017 days. But there also was a bit of a negative edge in casting. And I think that's partially because of just there's a negative edge on, on all spectators, right? When anyone watches a sport, it's always like this negative vibe, right? Um, people can blame Twitch chat, but if you had a Twitch chat for a regular soccer game or a hockey game, it would look exactly the same. In fact, if you watch illegal streams of sports online, yeah, there will a be a worse. Twitch chat and it looks literally exactly the same. So it's, it's not really like a video game thing or a gamer thing necessarily. It's just a, I like this sport and care about this sport. And it makes me mad when they lose. And I'm going to type that frustration into this little box. <laughs> So I think casters um, took a little bit of that too much back in the day when we were a little more Twitch chat obsessed. And so I think that it, it was more of a, a negative vibe. People were quicker to point out mistakes and flaws rather than praise good stuff. And I think overall, we, we praise more of the good stuff. And I think that comes across as being, oh, these guys are so happy and fun. But it, it's also just that we're trying to like more of celebrate the Dota than, oh, they messed up.
Yeah. I want to ask as well about, you mentioned earlier that uh, Lyrical messaged you to have things to work on. Are there specific things then that you do work on if you're not actively aiming uh, mm-hmm. to to be uh, positive or nice? That's just how it come naturally. What are the things that you have to kind of artificially add to your casts because they don't come naturally to you? Uh, yeah, we um, one thing that we did at TI10 that was really cool is that we would often sort of talk about what how, we kind of broke down our cast like you break down the dota game right after the draft and so what we did was we would talk about like before the draft even started let's say we we both talk about like the storylines that we want to mention uh in the game and generally like storyline stuff is done really easily in the first like you know seven or eight minutes during the laning stage sure there's gonna be kills here and there and there's stuff to discuss but there's also a lot of time for you to like weave what you want and beneficially it's also at the start of the game so it makes the most sense to try and draw the storyline there to get the viewer inter- interested and try and explain to them why the stakes are so high in this match because you know it's ti so every match is important and so we were doing this thing where it was basically like uh yeah i want to talk about this guy and how you know he started on this team last year and now he's here and um in comparison like his old teammates on the other team or something and we would sort of have this these bullet points that we wanted to hit it's not like it was like rehearsed necessarily but we just wanted to make sure that these are things that we felt was important that were important and we really want to make sure that it's included in the broadcast uh and then aside from just like storyline stuff and breaking the the game down into these like sort of segments where we talk about certain things we also just worked on things that we felt like we both just listened to the cast and be like uh what could this be better you know like uh, i can remember we worked on talking less monologues during the draft because that was something that i noticed that we were doing and that everyone was doing where people would often talk for a really, really long time and you you slowly drown out the person's voice when they're talking for too long, right? Uh, even if, it, if it's interesting, it, it's better to have the quicker back and forth. Like keep the points shorter in the draft, go back and forth more. It's just, it's a more engaging conversation for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, seriously, that's really interesting to hear. Is there stuff that you've definitely rooted out that you think maybe three, two years ago were, were negative in, in your the way you if you were a twitch chatter what would you have Mm -hmm. said then about you that you wouldn't say now uh i mean i think the thing that only ever gets really rooted out is just like repeating the same phrases over and over Mm -hmm. which is something that we're like usually it's it's not like i've i don't think i've ever said to lyrical like you're using this word too much it'll just be he'll say like i'm using this word too much and like (laughs) and like i'll do the same thing because like you could you'll catch yourself if you start thinking about it Mm mm-hmm interesting uh that's close to all i've got for you so what's coming up next you working more eastern europe is there anything else on the horizon uh dota or otherwise uh well let's see what's up for me uh we're finishing out eastern europe uh i'm looking forward to just watching all the regions honestly like it's it's a total mess dude like have you have you looked at like china like (laughs) so i I did a stream this morning where i was just trying to like I, i put all the teams and i said what place they would get the major which i'm really looking forward to look back on the tweet in a couple weeks uh, because I think only two teams are officially qualified, or two or three. It's like OG, RNG, Tundra, and Boom, I think. So I think we have four actually qualified teams, and I just decided to qualify all the teams and say what place they would get. So that's that's 10 out of 10 content on uh, the Tramp Packs Twitter for you fine folks. <laughs> uh, some people, real entity, immediately tweeted at me, where are we on this? And I'm just like, sorry, entity. <laughs> I don't think you guys are going to make it, but... Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to the DPC ending and uh, seeing what everyone does in Arlington. Um, if I'm invited, I will certainly go. So that I'm excited to have an opportunity to now travel back to majors again. Going to Texas is... Uh, it's nice that it's in North America. 
Uh, I think it's kind of cool that it's in. Uh, I forget. Uh, I forget what building it's in. I think it's like right next to the Cowboys Stadium. It's sort of in like their gamer thing between like Dallas Cowboys and complexity, and you know they bought up GameStop and they got this little gamer dome thing. I don't know. I keep seeing <laughs> commercials for Tim the Tap Man doing something there, so I, I think it's so it's pretty gamified. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see what uh, what the setup there's like and. Uh yeah, just gonna do that and do TI and keep watching Dota, man. Sounds nice. Yeah. Any any uh things in your your private life that you're looking forward to? Is it mainly kids at the moment, or is it uh big stuff in the trend household coming up? Uh it's mostly mostly the kids. It's just like uh I don't know. They rule. They're uh anyone anyone who is a parent i'm sure understands and anyone who isn't a parent you might not but uh i can promise that this is the most accurate way to put it uh the days are long but the years are short mm-hmm. is probably the best phrase i've ever heard about parenting because i i cannot believe that my oldest is now four that blows my mind and now i have a, a four-year-old a two-year-old and a two-month-old or i guess mm-hmm. she'll be she's like two and a half months old at this point so uh, oh yeah, thumbs up for anyone who's followed along and didn't know, but I did get the girl, so you know I was <laughs> very excited about that. Two boys, and we, we got ourselves a a daughter, so that was pretty exciting. Uh, I you know like you know how I remember when achievements like first came out on video games. There weren't really that many, and they were usually really really hard. But I I always felt like I had only a few achievements. Of, wow, actually, huh? This is going pretty well. I only had like a few achievements that I that I've really chalked up in my life. And uh, I did. I always wanted to have a daughter and name her after my grandmother. So mm-hmm. I chalked that up. That was pretty awesome. And I also did just cast a TI final, which, speaking of which, I do remember <laughs> I really wanted to put part time TI final caster in my bio. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my, was it my first event? I think it, yeah, I think it was my first event. I think I was flying back from TI6. I attended just as a viewer, like uh, the first land I'd ever been to. Went to TI6, uh, and oh, was it TI6? I don't know. Was that that event or like one of the lands after? I'm pretty sure it was TI6. And uh, I was flying back, and I ran to Blitz in the airport. And uh, obviously, like we knew each other at that point, like more so online, not really much in person because I hadn't been traveling to events before. But we were we were friendly and cordial. And uh, you know, he asked me. He was a caster still at that point with Cap. And, uh, you know, they were two people who I really looked up to as a, a duo, especially like, obviously that's something that Lyric and I are trying to emulate is no doubt. Like, you know, they, I'm sure they were trying to emulate, um, Artosis and, uh, and tasteless. Cause like, I didn't really watch Starcraft and I know those guys were good. And I, I understand that despite their knowledge being very high in the game, the more important thing was the chemistry. Cause mm-hmm. I think that's really what keeps things good. So, and same thing with Blitz and Cap, really what makes it is the chemistry. Uh, they're both individually amazing at Dota. That makes it. That's what elevates them to that next level. But the most important factor is chemistry, and so uh, that is something that I'm. I'm really happy that Lyrical and I have and both strive for as well. But anyway, <laughs> to my point, uh, Blitz asked me what my goals were in Dota, and I said, uh, I don't know. I I want I want to cast events. I want to uh, I want to cast at TI. And he said, "Do you want to ta- you want to cast a TI Grand Final?" And I said, "No, I don't think that's ever going to happen." And he was like, "Why not?" And I was just like, "Well, you know, because at that point, I just thought like, how's that possible? How am I ever going to cast a TI Grand Final?" So you think about like all, all the big names that exist, and I'm just starting out. And what do I like? Who is Trent compared to 
Blitz, who had played pro and had even done some coaching before at that point. Now, obviously, he's back doing coaching. Uh, more like Cinderin, of course, was still a huge caster at that point. How am I ever going to get a TI Grand Final and Cinderin still exists? And, uh, and now, like, there's people like Fog and stuff, too, who just are just like, he's just how am I like, I can't compare my Dota skill to Fog. So at the time, I more so thought it was about Dota skill and that I was essentially just like a fill in in mm -hmm. a way. Like, I know I'm funny and I know I'm a nice guy. So it's it's easy to have me invited and i'm the fun guy to throw on a panel and you know i can i can do what needs to be done but a ti final at that point wasn't really something that i ever thought i'd be able to do so that was pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah certainly uh, it's a very blitz thing to say as well <laughs> it really is actually yeah i should message him that was a long time ago <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah uh, we'll leave good. it there then um before we close up is there anything you want to bring up or plug yourself uh no it's um you guys can, uh, I, well, I guess follow me on Twitter at Trent Packs. That's always helpful. Numbers are good, you know. Then you know when I'm casting and stuff. And you can also find me on Twitch. Um, it's just Trent. Snag that one. <laughs> yeah. That's been empty for like seven years or something. And I, I always thought about it. And I one day I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to message the support. And I, then I got it. And then like two months later, that Trent guy went pro in Valorant. So whew, he's Trent FPS. Barely, guys. <laughs> I barely sniped that one. Now I open up my stream half the time, and someone will have typed in the the command dot like exclamation mark sends, trying to get his sensitivity settings, and I'm just like, hey, <laughs> wrong Trent fools. So yeah, um, I I stream there like three, two or three times a week, depending on how much I'm working uh, and how often the kids are at daycare. So uh, they're they're usually pretty chill streams. They're they're kind of small, and I, I kind of like them that way. We're we're not you know it's a it's a very chat heavy stream. We're we're talking about Dota, and I really enjoy bouncing ideas off of people and just uh, hearing what they say when I say things because it helps me sort of figure out where I want to where I want to go in my broadcast and everything. So it's it's fun. We always have a, a good time. So come stop by there if you ever want to talk about Dota. Right. It is a good stream. I watched that. I don't really watch streams, but I tuned in when you were doing that uh, team fight tactics. What, well, not team fight tactics. Oh, God. Team fight the, manager. People, manager I've never had people beg for streams more. Then I get messages constantly. They're like, hey, you going to stream team fight manager again? When are you streaming? Don't, don't let me miss it. And I'm just like, dude, I, I, I'm broken from that game. I can't handle losing at that anymore. It's too painful. Whatever you do, don't put it on the hardest settings, people. Trust me. It's, it's so many people message me be like, Dude, I bought that game and you've ruined me. And I look at their profile; they've got like sixty hours already. I'm <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've stopped playing it, but it is very good. Uh, and I'm and I know I'll get back into a hole playing that game over and over again. Let's let's hope we don't. Right, wonderful. We'll leave it there then. Thanks so much for coming on. It was uh, really great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Position 6 podcast and a huge thanks to Trent for appearing on it, as I said at the start. And I think throughout this podcast as well, uh, Trent is uh, a really nice guy, one of my uh, favorite people to work with. So I was, yeah, really enjoyed talking to him today uh, and uh, thanks for listening to it. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did uh, producing it. Again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I can be found it at Daniel Offen and that's spelled Daniel then O-F-F-E-N. And I, I would appreciate whatever followers I get there. Uh, again, if you'd like to find to support me you can find a link to my patreon at the episode uh, description uh, and as a part of this i'd like to thank several of my favorite supporters uh, firstly uh Enf vector then isaac robertson john Powgett, mr cakes sean shivers teddy snow uh, and that's that's 
the main guys. So thanks for that. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, next week, uh, there's not, well, there might be a podcast next week, but I'm also going to release another podcast this week. Uh, we're going to be talking to Ari from Into the Breach, uh, another one of my uh, podcasts with new British players. Uh, excited to talk to him. Uh, other than that, that will probably be out about Friday. Other than that, we'll look to see what's happening next week. Uh, I, I am uh, doing Eastern European hosting this Friday as well, so check that out. But until then, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you very, very soon.